Welcome to the Sheep Connect New South Wales podcast. It's time for you. A podcast produced for the sheep industry by Sheep Connect New South Wales. Hi, I'm Fiona MacArthur, a network coordinator for Sheep Connect New South Wales. The Sheep Extension Network in New South Wales, which is funded by Australian Wool Innovation. Sheep Connect New South Wales has a membership of over 2,200 and our main aim is to help keep you and your sheep business up to date on information about all things sheep. Preparation for next year's crop of lambs starts this year. On the back of a drought, many are looking to rebuild numbers and management of breeding ewes now is an important facet to this preparation. In this episode of It's Time For You, I'm joined by Nathan Scott to look at why you need to be preparing your breeding ewes now for next year's joining. Nathan has a background in prime lamb, merino wool and beef production and a passion for improving productivity and profitability of livestock enterprises. He works with producers to increase conception rate, improve lamb survival, lift growth rates and hone overall production. Nathan provides advice to individual clients, also works with large groups of producers and is a keynote speaker and involved in various industry projects. Based in Invalia, Victoria, welcome Nathan and thank you for joining me on It's Time For You. Thanks for having me. Nathan, producers across the state are currently focused on lambing, marking or getting ready for harvest depending on where they live. Why is it important we stop and consider next year's joining now? It's really important because, well, for starters, it's important because of all of those things that you mentioned. We're often distracted by so many other things at this time of year, and particularly as we head towards harvest. Um, but the reality is so much of our potential and so much of the outcomes we're going to achieve in our joining next year is actually set this year. And that starts right back as, as far as during our lactation of our ewes. When our follicle recruitment is actually happening, so in other words, the, the potential eggs that will be released at, the, at our joining are actually being recruited now and set in their development begins um, from this point forward. So it's really important to make sure that we're, we're doing everything we can to manage condition score and nutrition of our ewes through their lactation, not just for this year's drop of lambs, but also for that follicle recruitment for next year. So it does start much earlier than most of us realise, um, and that's why we really want that focus now. The other part of it is, um, in terms of our weaning, getting our weaning timing right and making sure we give those ewes a chance to recover. So Nathan, recovery, which you just mentioned there, in a normal year, our ewes need to recover from the demands of their pregnancy that they've just gone through and the lactation that they're going through. But that's probably been now exacerbated because of the drought that we've experienced over the last few seasons. Why is it so important that ewes get enough time to recover before next year's joining? Um, well, in, in all honesty, it comes down to the number of days that we can give a ewe to to increase her condition score on good quality feed, or at least reasonable quality feed, um, and also just, just generally the time we can provide for her. So often I get asked, when is the ideal time to wean our lambs? Um, and people, people will often change their view of the time of weaning depending on what the season is. But for me personally, it really doesn't change much from one year to the next. It's all about trying to make sure that we get the most out of the lactation from the ewe, 
but that we don't push her so hard that it affects our results next year. And so if we're aiming for a, a weaning at 14 weeks from the start of lambing, that makes sure that the ewe has the full 17 weeks of recovery that she needs to, to really get her to express her potential with her conception the following year. You just mentioned the importance there of the weaning time. What other key times are there on the management calendar that we need to look at to ensure that ewes have sufficient time to pull that recovery period off? Um, so the other thing to think about is actually how long we're joining for. So a 35-day joining allows us to wean our lambs on time, um, so that 14 weeks from the start of lambing, and it makes sure that we don't have ewes that are on a third cycle, that we're joined on a third cycle, that are still trying to recover um, in time for joining the following year. The shorter our joining and the more, more tightly um, managed our joining is, the better opportunity there is for all of the ewes to get a good recovery period. So it's not just about when we wean, it's also about how long our joining lasts. And, and to take that a step further, it's also about how many ewes we can get to conceive on the first cycle rather than the second cycle. Um, that's let alone for those who, who are actually leaving rams in for a third cycle. So we've been talking at Sheep Connect New South Wales over our webinar series and during our podcast about the importance of this five-week joining that you're talking about. Is there much benefit to going over? No, there really isn't. If you look at what, so while you may conceive some extra um, fetuses by having the extra cycle available, and in other words, have less dry use, uh, the reality is because of the timing of that and the fact that they are dropped later in the year, um, they're younger when we when we are weaning, the, recover, the, the survival of those lambs actually isn't terribly great. And in terms of useful progeny that we're producing, it'll actually only produce about an extra 2 to 4% useful lambs out of joining for that third cycle. So while we think we're, we're doing a great job of getting more use in lamb, um, the reality is that doesn't all convert to extra useful either saleable or joinable lambs in the following year. And I guess we have to remember that the overall benefit of getting those couple of extra lambs, you're then sacrificing that recovery time for the following season. So you're, is it fair to say you're um, compromising your ability to have more lambs on the ground the following year? Absolutely. And, and from my point of view, you're actually just overcomplicating your system. It means that you're checking lambing paddocks for longer. It, it complicates your weaning process. It complicates even your marking. Um, having to wait for those last few lambs for lamb marking or having to come back because we've got lambs dropped after you've marked the first um, group of lambs, it's just over unnecessarily overcomplicating your system. And you touched on condition score before. How important is condition score at joining on a successful pregnancy? Um, it's very important. It's a, it's a significant factor when it comes to the ovulation rate of the ewe and her likelihood to actually um, conceive in the first place. And so we should always be managing our condition scores. So pretty much from weaning the previous year, we should be looking to manage condition score to make sure that we hit our targets. And in terms of targets, ideally, um, with, with conditions allowing it, we would like to see ewes joined at around that condition score 3.3. And with most of the state having a really great start to spring this year, what should producers be considering if their animals are already in good condition? 
so that's one of the great things about this year right now is that there are a lot of sheep in very good condition. And to me, that's the opportunity for you to bank that condition for the next 10 years. If we've already got the condition score, don't drop the ball now and, and let it slip away. Um, your job as a sheep manager is to maintain that condition and capitalise on it because we know it will produce a higher conception rate and it will also produce better lamb survival later on next year as well. Um, and for the next 10 years, if we can keep those sheep in, the, in our target condition score ranges, um, it sets you up for a long time. So there's a fantastic opportunity that sits in front of producers all around the country at the moment who have enjoyed the, the good seasonal conditions. Um, those sheep in good condition are a great opportunity in front of us. And for those of us who haven't had quite so much of a great start to spring and still suffering from some of the effects of the drought and haven't quite recovered yet, if ewes aren't quite at their conditions score targets yet, how important is it for producers to really start to act early? Oh, it's, it's really important because it's so much easier to do it earlier than it is to do it later. Uh, when we can allow the season to do most of the work for us, particularly once if we can wean on time, give those ewes the chance without being encumbered by um, a lactation, the chance to actually put on that condition score on, on reasonable quality feed at this time of year and, and into the early summer period, it means that we can do it without relying on supplementary feed um, or 100% relying on, a, on supplementary feed to do that work to put the condition score on. Because we do often see people leave it too late and then they're chasing their tail trying to pick up condition score in the lead up to, to joining and that's it's not ideal, it can be quite expensive. Yeah, you've just touched on the cost of putting condition on news twice then. Is there an ideal or a more cost effective time? How does it change throughout the season to put condition on these ewes prior to joining? Yeah, so if we can do it when the paddock feed is going to contribute, if you think about what a, a um, perennial pasture that's well established, you're looking at a cost per kilogram of dry matter being around about that one and a half cents um, per kilogram compared to grain, which is going to be at 20 cents per kilogram. So clearly there's, there can be differences in quality between those two kilograms of dry matter, but it's, it's an opportunity for us to use the lower cost feed to help put that condition back on those ewes. And if we do need to top up with some extra um, supplementary feed to help really pin down that condi extra condition score, then we can do it, but it's it's all every kilogram of supplementary feed that we use is going into extra condition score and not into maintenance. If we leave it until later on in the year, so much of our supplementary feed is just to get us to maintenance level before we start and put any extra condition on those use. We refer to condition score when we're talking here about our older ewes, but when it comes to our ewe lambs or our maidens, weight suddenly becomes a bit more of a focus for us. How do we work out what our target joining weight should be for these two cohorts versus looking at condition score? Yeah, so it is it is a, a, certainly a different topic when we start talking about ewe lambs because, as you say, it's not just about condition score. Um, so we really want to set some minimum weight targets for those ewe lambs. And depending on what your standard reference weight of your ewes are, um, so if we're talking about a smaller framed merino, for instance, in that sort of 50 to, to 65 kilograms, we just set a standard minimum target of 45 kilos for joining. But as we get up into some of those heavier standard reference weight ewes, some of the crossbreds and composites, um, we start looking at 70% of the standard reference weight. 
So that, for instance, that would see a 70, if your standard reference weight for your ewes is 75 kilos, our target weight for joining ewe lambs would be 53 kilos. So we, we start off with a flag fall of 45 kilos um, or 70% of standard reference weight, whichever one is the higher figure. And then when we start talking about the one and a half year old maidens, um, clearly they can be a bit of a trap for us, those maidens, because we've got so much time to grow them out with that extra 12 months. Um, and sometimes that sees them get a bit forgotten about. So I'd still like to see everyone do the work early rather than trying to rush it at the last minute. But we want to get them to about 80% of the standard reference weight for your flock. Uh, so that, that's another target that we should be setting for ourselves above and beyond condition score with those sheep. And we've spoken a little bit about the length of joining, but also how important is it to get the time of our joining right? Um, well, it's, in my view, it's really important and, and for an, on a number of fronts. So um, clearly not just relating to this, but also about matching to your pasture production curve, um, or your pasture growth curve. But also if, if it's really, if one of your major targets is about getting really good conception rates in rebuilding your flock um, and, and things along those sort of lines, then it's understanding the seasonality of sheep. So often we talk about the fact that merinos aren't seasonal. Um, that's not actually true. They all sheep are seasonal. Uh, some of them, the merinos in particular, are, are just less seasonal. So the, the key months to try and avoid, we like to, a simple thing to remember is avoid Jason. Um, that's the months of July, August, September, October and November. Um, they are the, where, where the seasonality really bites. Once we get into and around the longest day of the year in December, and particularly as we get past it into January, February, that increases um, the ovulation rates in sheep and the, the percentage of ewes that are cycling as well as, um, as well as the ovulation rate. So clearly we wanna, if we're wanting a good conception rate, we wanna try and push further into the, the February, March, April sort of period for joining. Switching focus now, the other side of the story for joining is all about the boys. Do we need to start looking at our ram team now, just like we're looking at our ewes? Yeah, absolutely. And unfortunately for the boys, often their inspection happens at 60 kilometres an hour up the driveway. And as long as uh, all four feet are pointing towards the ground, people are happy. But that's not the way we should be inspecting our rams. And, and we should be doing it early to make sure that we know if there's any potential problems um, we can rectify any potential problems or we know how many rams we actually need to buy to replace those ones that, that aren't right. And just from my own experience, uh, going through clients, teams of rams for the first time, we have averaged 17% of rams removed due to, to significant issues. Um, so that that's concerning, uh, particularly if people are at the lower end of, of ram percentages. So it's um, something that people should be well aware of. And if you're not aware, then then get yourself um, upskilled. If you're not confident in how to do a RAM inspection, how to check all of the five T's, then get yourself upskilled with one of the programs like Ramping Up Repro to make sure that you are confident in doing it or get an outside source to do it, a, a local vet or someone to come and do it for you. That's great advice. There's certainly a lot of information in our Ramping Up Repro workshop. It can't be held at the moment due to COVID, but we have put it in as a webinar and a podcast on this series as well. Could you just take us through, you just mentioned the five T's there, what the five T's are. Yep, so the five T's um, generally, and unfortunately they've been just sort of manipulated to make them all start with T, but it does help you remember them. So. Most importantly, toes. So if a ram can't walk effectively or if he's got a foot abscess that may actually lead to a, 
an, a true infection and a spike in his um, body temperature, that will cook semen. So we do want to make sure that they've got really good feet underneath them. Um, teeth, obviously, to make sure that they are still able to eat and, and to check age. Um, testicles, absolutely important. Um, and that's there's there's some really good videos on YouTube as well if you if you can't get along to one of the um, one of the training courses, but it's mainly to make sure that there's no obvious issues there. So checking for symmetry and and checking for um, for no bumps and lumps and and hardness in there. Um, the tossle, which is checking his actual gear to make sure that it's working, and then the other one is torso, which is all about his condition score. And really, it's something that um, that we need to have a focus on. Often our our terminal sires um, or our maternal rams are often quite high in condition score and they may be well be running in the same paddock as our merino rams which are on the lower end of condition score. So we should be trying to make sure that we manage our ram teams effectively to, to get the right condition score on them so that they're fit and not fat coming into joining. And do you recommend feeding them coming into joining? Yeah, so if we supplement them with lupins for the six weeks leading up to, to joining, even out to eight weeks leading up to joining. Um, with 500 grams a day of lupins, you will definitely increase the semen quality and, and semen quantity, uh, which, which is certainly going to help for a successful joining. So that's something that, that every producer can do, depending on the size of your ram team, you're really only ever talking about one or two bulker bags of lupins. Um, so it's not, it's not a huge amount, so it'll be a ton or two of lupins depending on the size of your RAM team. Um, and it's a really cheap bit of insurance that you can do. The other thing that we should be doing is making sure that we transition them over onto the same sort of diet that they'll be on when they're in the paddock with the ewes. We, we just don't want a, uh, a RAM going from 500 grams of lupins a day into a paddock with ewes who are getting 500 grams of wheat. Uh, at the very least, you might cook his semen and at, at uh, the worst, you might actually kill him with acidosis. So. We need to manage that transition as best we possibly can. And certainly something that needs to be avoided. Nathan, how long would that transition period take? Uh, we can usually, over, over a week to 10 days, we can usually transition an animal reasonably well um, onto a grain diet. But obviously, the longer we allow, the better it will be. So uh, particularly given that we've done so much of the work in the first few weeks with the lupins, I'd be inclined to try and bring the grain proportion of the diet up in the in what would be the equivalent of the second cycle, so the last three weeks before joining. Um, we can still keep some lupins in there, but start to ramp that that grain level up over that three weeks so that it's up to the same degree to what it will be when he goes in with the ewes. Nathan, we've therefore done all our checks on our rams and we've got their condition score and their nutrition hitting some really good targets. How long does a ram stay productive for? Um, well, that's that's a real challenge for everyone because the realistic or the, the expected um, effective working life of a ram is actually closer to two years and not the four or five years that most people try and get out of their rams. So clearly there are rams that, that will have a good effective working life of four or five years, but the only way you can know that is to continually keep doing your inspections of them and, and just make sure that we are sending out fit, healthy rams. You might make yourself feel good by sending out a big percentage of rams, but if half of them aren't working, they're not much good to you. So we're across New South Wales at the moment. We've got a lot of ram sales going on and we need to work out for a producer how many rams are we going to need for 2021. So the first 
tip that you've just given us is to make sure we bring all those REMs in and we inspect them and work out what we have in our team and who's productive and going to do the job for us. But then I guess the next stage for us is what is the ideal number of RAMs for a successful joining and does it change with the age group of the U that we're going to put the RAMs in with? Yeah, so this is a piece of advice that has definitely changed for me over the last 10 years. Um, I was very much an advocate of the 1% the plus one, which has been widely recommended. I guess our change has been just to, for, for mature sheep, is just to change that to being 1.5%. And the reason for that is at 1% plus one, we can find ourselves in bigger mobs, just diluting that RAM number um, further than we'd like to. And if you have a RAM breakdown, it, it can quickly drop that percentage under 1% of, of actual effective working RAMs. And that's not really what we want. So, so keeping it at 1.5% for mature use has been really effective for us. Uh, for maidens, we've actually lifted it to 2%. Um, and that's a direct reflection of the, the reduced amount of time that that U is actually available to the RAM. They don't cycle for as long as what a mature U does. And the, the third step in all of that is, is the U lambs, which are even shorter again in, in their availability to the RAM. So we're looking at 3% RAMs in those as well. Um, and that, that becomes expensive and it's difficult to, to manage, but it's certainly where we've seen a significant jump in our, um, in our number of U's conceiving and it all just comes down to, to you to RAM contact. So that's what we're looking for with going to 3% for the ULAMs. And Nathan, do those percentages change depending on the size or the layout of your paddock? Uh, no, not generally. Um, having said that though, it's important for everyone to be aware and actually to pay attention to how they use are using a paddock and how what their RAM activity looks like. One of the greatest risks is is that the rams hang in one area, particularly in a very large paddock. Um, they hang in one area of the paddock and the ewes tend to travel the rest of the paddock. Uh, probably more of an issue is when we see, particularly when people have got ewes out grazing stubbles, and they might be grazing over multiple paddocks. And to me, that's it's a risk any time there's the potential for a fence to be between a ram and a ewe. And even though they've got access to all the paddocks, we have seen in the past where rams sit in one paddock under a nice shady tree and they don't travel to the other paddocks. And it just presents an opportunity for ewes to be cycling without rams having contact with them at that particular time. Nathan, with producers out and about at ram sales at the moment, looking at production, visual traits are obviously extremely important. How important is the emphasis on ASBVs? Uh, the, two, the two go hand in hand and you really can't have one without the other. So as you mentioned, the visual assessment from structure and, and visual traits is really important, but, um, but we've got these amazing tools in ASBVs that we should be using as well. They are what helps us predict the genetic merit um, and the production potential of those rams and their progeny. So we really should be using them to, to the best of our ability and just getting some understanding. If you're not confident with them, um, get someone to, to step you through them, show you how a percentile band table works so that you can understand where a ram sits in terms of, of his performance or his progeny's likely performance and where that sits in the industry. And it can allow you to make some really good informed decisions on the genetic merit of the rams that you're buying. And just to finish off, Nathan, we learn so much in life from looking back at our experience. Is now a good time to start to evaluate what's worked and what 
hasn't worked to help us plan for, well, not only next year, but to make improvements in the future? Every day is actually a good day to be looking back and looking for how we can make improvements. Um, but now in particular, it's every year we should review what worked with our joining, we should review what worked with our lambing, what didn't. Um, every year we should be, a number of times throughout the year, we should be sitting down and working through what we, what we would like to do differently next year. If we keep doing the same things over and over again, we'll keep getting the same results. So if we want to keep making improvement, the only way we can do that is to make changes. And so we should be reviewing every year, whether it's our joining, whether it's the way we set our use up for lambing and, and our lambing paddock allocations, any of those things throughout the year, we should be sitting down and looking back and saying, well, this worked. We want to make sure we definitely do that again. This one wasn't so good. We're going to try and avoid that next year. There's, it's, it's a simple process, but if you do it, it can mean that we're not just repeating the same mistakes year after year, and it can allow us to make that incremental improvement that, that eventually adds up to being a really significant result that other people look at and wonder how you got there. I, I've got a great example of a client, Gordon Brown. Every time someone says to me, what is it that Gordon does? My immediate answer is he does a whole lot of things. It's not any one thing that he does. There's a whole list of things because every year he says, they're our best results we've ever had, but there's a few things I want to do differently next year. And that's the sort of thing that everyone should try and set themselves up. Do that same review process every year so you can work out what it is you're going to do differently next year. Yes, as farmers, we are constantly learning and innovating. Thanks, Nathan, for the information you've shared with our listeners and for joining me on It's Time For You. Thanks for having me. We hope you have enjoyed this episode of It's Time For You, the Sheep Connect New South Wales podcast. We'd appreciate it if you could share our podcast within your networks. And if you haven't done so already, subscribe to the AWI podcast, The Yarn. We'd love you to stay in contact with Sheep Connect New South Wales, and you can do this in a number of ways. Join our network by visiting www.sheepconnectnewsouthwales.com.au Find us at Sheep Connect New South Wales on Facebook and Twitter. We look forward to seeing you at our workshops and events later in the year. Thanks again for joining us today. Bye for now.